0: Refuge is a safe place. Refuge is a safe place. Refuge is a safe place for all people. For all people. For all people to explore and restore. To explore and restore. To restore and explore. To explore and restore their faith in Jesus and His Church. Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore and restore their faith in Jesus. And His Church. Huh? And His Church. And His Church. Am I in the dark? Oh, I was like, is it my turn? (laughs) It is so good to be here with you tonight to worship. My name is David. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Refuge. We are continuing and closing out our series tonight, Emails from Paul. And tonight we'll be looking at the book of Philippians. Now, if you know me, then you know that I am crazy about basketball. I love playing it. Well, I used to love playing it because now I have 15 pounds of metal in my back and I can't play. Go back to the slides, Jude. Go back another one. You can stay right there. (laughs) I can't play basketball now because I can't feel but one leg and I have all the hardware in my back, but I used to love playing it. Not only did did I used to love playing it, I love watching it on TV, especially my Carolina Tar Heels that you can see there. I actually go crazy whenever I watch them play. Adrian just sits and videos me and takes pictures of me while I go crazy. This was a picture that he took of me. Olaf looks terrified in this picture Because this was whenever we beat Duke, our rivals, in sending us to the national championship last year where we got murdered. But we still made it and we ended Coach K's coaching career at Duke. And that was the sweetest game ever. But not only do I love watching it, I loved coaching it. Now you can go to the next slide. I coached high school boys basketball for years. I was passionate about teaching these guys how to work together as a team, how to build up one another, and how not to be the long star of the team. I mean, one thing that I would always tell them before we played a game was when you go out there on that court, you not only represent your own integrity and reputation, but you also represent this school's reputation and you represent your coach. And when you have this jersey on, you are a representation of us as a whole. And I would tell them just as long as there are seconds on the clock, you are to do your best. If we are either down by 20 points or we are ahead by 20 points, you are to do your best. You can keep flipping through those pictures, Jude. I loved being a coach. I studied how to be a better coach for my boys. I read books by my favorite coaches like Dean Smith, Roy Williams, and Pat Summit. But then I not only did that, but I carried a notebook full of plays that I had my team practice. And thus, I would use during a game. When we we had the ball, I would see how the opposing team was setting up their defense, whether it was a zone play or a man-to-man play, and then my team would look at me, and the only thing I would have to do is just hold up a symbol, and they knew which play to run on offense. Why do I say all this? Well, I'm giving you an introduction to Philippians. The book of Philippians is unlike any other book Paul wrote. It's unlike any other letter that Paul addressed and the people he wrote it to were different than any other people that he wrote other letters to. I would say that Paul is more like the coach to the church in Philippi. He's writing this letter as a mentor, as a coach to encourage them. This letter to the Philippians is like Paul's playbook to them. He's showing them how to keep going in life as believers in Jesus. And he's basically saying, as long as there are seconds uh, on the clock in your life, you are to keep running toward Jesus. Like Nicole and I have both said while going through this series, it has been a daunting task to preach on an entire book of the Bible, especially the letters that Paul wrote. Now, there's a picture of my desk. I think you've already shown it there. Now here's a picture of my office and just how many books that I have been going through just on this one sermon and one book of the Bible. And you can see my little helper on the floor. She's not being help, a help at all. But there are so many cool verses and so many cool chapters in the book of Philippians that I could do an entire series on that book alone. But I'm going to have to preach on it in 25 minutes. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Now the church in uh, Philippi was special to Paul because he planted those churches himself. The church of Philippi was the first church that he had ever founded in Europe. The first convert in the church was a woman named Lydia. And women continued to have prominent roles in that church. Paul had a deep and personal relationship with the people in those churches. Paul loved the church in Philippi. And he wrote this letter as a love letter and as a thank you to them. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he made notes several times that he was writing from prison. Paul was in prison several times for preaching the gospel of Jesus. And prison in Paul's time was not pleasant at all. One prison he was in was just a very narrow hole in the ground that his body was put in, and it was only big enough to where he could not even sit down or lay down. He can just look straight up. He had nowhere to go to the bathroom. I think you get my point of how bad some of these prisons were. But the prison that Paul was in here when he wrote this letter was more like a holding tank, and he was waiting trial and he was possibly waiting execution. And during this time, he was constantly chained to a Roman soldier where a new soldier would switch every six hours. And Paul was in this holding tank for two years awaiting trial. And he was not able to write this letter himself due to being chained. So he had to dictate it to someone else so that they could write it. And then he relied on them to deliver it. Even though Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, I would say that this letter to the Philippians was probably Paul's happiest letter that he had ever written. You can tell by his encouragement to to the church of Philippi throughout the entire letter. Now, there's there's several words that I think uh, describe the main themes of the book of Philippians, of the playbook that the coach wrote to the team. Now, one of those words is love. Like I mentioned earlier, Paul wrote this letter as a love letter, as a thank you to them. And you can see just the depths of Paul's love that he had for the Philippians. We read in Philippians 1, 3 through 11, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and what may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That was deep and that was personal to the Philippians there Paul also referred to the Philippians throughout this letter as his beloved which in the Greek meant that he used this to commonly describe his close co-workers and his dearest friends Paul's love for the Philippian church appears to have been stronger than his love for many other churches that he wrote letters to And see, it's on the flip side, too, because the Philippians loved Paul. While Paul was in this holding cell, while he was in prison, he was also responsible for his own food, for his own clothing. He was even responsible for his own ink that he could write these letters to. And even the church, even though the church in Philippi was a very poor church, they loved him so much that they sent him financial support. To help him out they wanted him to continue his ministry he says this in Philippians four fifteen through 16 Paul says when I left Macedonia no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again So many of Paul's letters to the other churches seem more of like a reprimand. But this one is completely different. It's all about love. And and the next thing is what I believe and many Bible scholars believe is the main theme of Philippians is joy. The word joy is mentioned over 16 times in this letter to the Philippians. Do you know people in your life that just exude joy? Joy. When you're around that person, they bring out that joy in you. Why? Because joy is contagious. You want to be around that person because of their joyful heart. But have you ever been around somebody who is more like Eeyore? Always negative, no joy. It sucks the life out of you when you're around that person. Well, Paul's joy in this letter is contagious. Paul, he was facing adversity. He was in prison, but he maintained a strong faith in God. And you can see it throughout this letter. The strength of Paul's faith is evidenced by his joy and rejoicing. And it's coaching the Philippians to rejoice. Paul's joyful heart is both a model to the Philippians and to all of us now. See, joy and happiness aren't the same thing. Happiness is based on happenings, the things that happen in your life. Joy is beyond our circumstances. Paul's mentioning of joy in his letter is him rejoicing over the resurrection of Jesus. He says in Philippians 1 18, what then only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. What Paul is saying here is he's rejoicing because Christ is being preached regardless of the motives that prompt people to do so. It's the how and the why of preaching that's not the ground of Paul's joy. The fact and the result that Christ is being preached is. The power of the gospel brings salvation to people and thus brings joy to Paul. Now we can look at that in our world now. And in our lens now through Paul's eyes. Because there's so many different church denominations. You've got conservatives. You've got liberals. You've got moderates. But, and that's what Paul's saying here. He says he doesn't care about any of that. As long as Jesus is preached, that's all that matters. This is what we've said throughout this whole series. And what we believe is the main theme for this whole series. It all comes back to Jesus. Now, I know there are some churches and people out there who proclaim to preach the gospel, but Jesus is never mentioned and nothing but hate comes out of their mouths. And if Paul were alive today, I'm pretty certain they would be getting a different type of letter that other than the one that he sent to the Philippians. Paul also mentions that he rejoices and finds joy in his freedom from the law. His joy comes from his freedom in Jesus. We've talked about this in past series before, but Paul reemphasizes this in Philippians 3, 1 through 3. He says, finally, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. He says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You see, Paul knew all too well what it was like to be bound by the Jewish laws. We've talked about this before. Paul was a Pharisee He was a Jewish leader who followed the Jewish laws to the book. He was bound by those laws, more than 630 to be exact. But when Paul encountered Jesus, his chains were broken from those laws. Because when Jesus came, Jesus says, I'm the blood of the new covenant. I'm the blood of the new law. And there's only two for you to follow. And that's to love me with all you've got and love your neighbor as yourselves. Because joy, this joy, is a protection against the attitudes that people use to judge others. And that joy points to the spirit of Jesus that flows from the acceptance of the gift of God's grace. And he continues to emphasize joy and rejoicing in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we can always, we can always rejoice in The Lord, even when we can't rejoice in other things, there's so many things that's going on in this world today that we can't very well rejoice in. Maybe there are some things happening in your life right now that you can't very well rejoice in. But when we have a relationship with the Lord, we can rejoice in Him because God is always faithful, God is always full of love, He's full of grace, He's full of mercy. And he's always there for us and he's always here with us. And Paul tells us not to worry about anything, but in everything, pray. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace which surpasses all understanding. That means we can't explain it. We can't discover it. We can't create it. We can't bottle it. We can't buy it. And we can't sell it. We can't earn it. We can't give it away. The only thing we can do is receive it. And we receive it from Jesus. As Jesus puts it in John's gospel, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This is a peace that the world cannot give and that the world cannot take away. That's what happens when we rejoice in the Lord. We take joy in our relationship with him and what he did for us. And from that, from Paul's discussion of joy, the Philippians came to understand it as a state of mind characterized by A way of looking at life that was rooted in faith and awareness of trust in Christ. Rejoicing in the Lord. Joy is more than a mood or emotion. It is an understanding of existence that allows us to see past any particular event or circumstance. And allows us to direct our focus on Jesus who stands above every circumstance that we're facing. Yeah, life is hard But there's always cause for rejoicing in Jesus, even in times of affliction. Since he is always the same, his grace is always sufficient. His crucifixion and his resurrection set us free from sin and death. His righteousness is an everlasting one, and so is his salvation. Which brings me to my final point. The last word I believe summarizes the book of Philippians is perseverance. One of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible, other than John three sixteen, that most believers and non-believers know. You see it on T-shirts, you see it on uh, athletes' faces and stuff like that. Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Christ, in Christ who gives me strength. But this is also one of the most misunderstood verses in the entire Bible as well, because the "I can do all things" has been taken out of context and repackaged as a feel-good inspirational mantra that people repeat to themselves when attempting something difficult or even impossible. I can win this basketball game in in Christ who gives me strength. I can jump over this highest hurdle in Christ who gives me strength. I can win win a million dollars on this scratch-off in Christ who gives me strength. I can fly off this building if I jump in Christ who gives me strength. I think you get my point. But it has nothing to do with any of those things. This passage is not about all the great things you can have or achieve if you just put your mind to it. And it's certainly not a blank check for a person to do anything he or she wants and expects Christ's support. Because the original translation of this verse really says, I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. Philippians 4.13 is about how to overcome the trials of life and how to be content with your present circumstances with what you do have. Even though Paul was riding from prison, he was awaiting a trial and possible execution. Paul's peace of mind came from his determination to be content with his life circumstances and to trust in God to see him through it and provide him with the strength he needed to endure it. He also says in Philippians three twelve through 16, he placed so much emphasis on perseverance. He writes about salvation in Christ in these terms. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Only let us hold true to what we have attained And as I just said a minute ago, and we've said it over and over again, it all comes back to Jesus. Why should Christians persevere? Why should they move forward? Why should they keep running toward Jesus? Because no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's going on, Jesus suffered and died on the cross for all of it. Paul said, Galatians 2:20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me but how are we to persevere through this life how are we to keep running toward Jesus we are to love Jesus with everything we've got. What does that mean? Our entire being, our minds, our bodies, our thoughts, our actions. And we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. How do we do this? Well, we look at the life of Jesus. We look at how he lived. We look at how he loved. We look at how he helped the marginalized. How he fed the hungry. How he prayed with those who most Others would ostracize. This is what it means to keep running toward Jesus every day of our life by looking at his life. Philippians one twenty seven through 29, Paul acknowledged the Philippian struggles and encouraged them with these words. Stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should suffer for his sake. You see, the Philippians faced opposition that was distressing and painful because of their stand for Christ. And Paul is telling them none of this was beyond God's control. And Paul was literally coaching them through it all. He says, one spirit, one mind, side by side, standing firm together. Paul emphasizes here that we are to rely on one another to persevere through this life. And as Brian said it a couple weeks ago, sometimes we just have to sit in one another's suck. Life is going to suck at times, and when those hard times come, we need each other to get through those times. Paul says in Philippians 4:12 4, through 14, "In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble." You see the greatest value of their support of Paul in prison was how they touched Paul's heart. Paul's imprisonment was probably weighing heavily on him. He was probably suffering severely and near despair at times. But imagine how comforting it must have been for him to be reminded that so many people loved him and wanted to share in his suffering. And he wanted to remind them that they are to share in one another's suffering. Reverend C.S. Tang says this, he says, It is in church where we encourage one another to persevere. I think church is relationship. I think being the church, we capture more of what God wants us to be in relationship with one another and also corporately in our relationship with him as a people towards God. God is the one who has always gathered people around him. So ultimately, church is for the glory of God. It is God's design for us, for his glory, and for our good. Now, as we close tonight, and ultimately we close out this beast of a series that Nicole and I have tackled, I want to read what I think is Paul's main point in this entire letter to the Philippians. It's found in Philippians two, twelve through 18. And I love how the message translated. Paul says, what, I, what I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering. No second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I did not go to all this work for nothing. Even if I'm executed here and now, I'll rejoice in being an element in the offering of your faith that you make on Christ's altar a part of your rejoicing. But turn about fair play. You must join me in my rejoicing. Whatever you do, don't feel sorry for me. He says, persevere, be a fresh breath of fresh air in this world. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Be living proof. The three words, love. Love God, love people. Joy, this unspeakable joy that comes from our personal relationship with Jesus. Perseverance. Life can be hard, but we need to keep running toward Jesus and what he has for us, and we need to run this race together. Now, you know me. I like to close my sermons kind of differently. I'm going to play a song tonight, and I believe that this song can summarize Paul's life and what he was saying to the Philippians His letter to the Philippians was a joyful letter. It was a letter of love, and it was a letter of perseverance. This song is all of those things, and I think it wraps up the entire book of Philippians. And boy, this song, the last verse makes me shout every time. Just listen. Listen. Let the weight of this world As the band comes up, can you hear Paul saying those lyrics to the Philippians? He says, no more running in circles trying to be good enough. I'm far from perfect, but I found perfect love in the arms that won't let go. Got a heart on fire, got a wind at my back singing hallelujah. I am free at last. Every day I'm running home. Going to run this race to my final step. Going to sing this song to my final breath. Let the weight of this world go. But going to be no tears, going to be no pain. And when I see that smile on my Savior's face, I won't be walking. I'll be running home. He called my name and he stole my shame. Everything changed when I came running home. Out of the dark, into his arms. No more running away. I'm running home. And as Paul said, as we touched on earlier, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As long as there are seconds on the clock in our lives, Paul is encouraging us to run home and keep running toward Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. For your power, we can hear that displayed outside in the thunder. Father, we thank you for the example that Jesus gave us to follow him. We thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians that we can look at and we can learn from that we we are to rejoice in you despite everything else that might be going on around us that's negative and that's hard. And Father, what a wonderful and glorious day it will be when we do get to see you face to face. And I guarantee that you'll be running toward us as we run toward you as well. As we continue worshiping tonight and ultimately closing out this series, I pray that you meet each person where they are in their relationship with you and you speak to them.